Hello, and welcome to another Cheeky Scientist radio podcast. I'm Isaiah Hankel, your host, and today we will be talking with Ananda Ghosh on careers in technology transfer. As always, if you want to learn more about transitioning into industry, go to phdsgethired.com, enter your name and email address, and we'll send you free information on how to access our job search blueprint specifically for PhDs, as well as how to access our 4,000-plus member private PhD-only job referral network. So again, just go to phdsgethired.com. If you want our podcasts, as well as our blog articles sent to you, by email every week for free. Just go to CheekyScientist.com and sign up there on the homepage. And finally, if you want to listen to all of our podcasts, you can find us on iTunes just by searching Cheeky Scientist Radio, and you can subscribe to us there on iTunes so you won't miss any of our new podcasts. So again, today we will be talking with Ananda Gosh on careers and technology transfer starting now. Hello, Ananda. Hey. Good to see you. Um, Ananda did his PhD at the Indian Institute of Science in Bangalore, India, and came to the United States to pursue his postdoctoral fellowship. He did a short postdoc at Yale, probably heard of the school, Yale, uh, and then moved to <laughs> Cornell Medical College. At the end of his fellowship, he got interested in technology commercialization through an internship opportunity at the Center for Technology Licensing, which is the tech transfer office at Cornell, right? Right. right. Um, and uh, following that, he joined Columbia Technology Venture as a project coordinator for a couple of months, after which he fully transitioned as a technology marketing associate at the NYU Office of in, uh, Industrial Liaison. Right? Yep. Fantastic. Uh, from there, uh, he, he's also now a USPTO registered patent agent. Uh, right. So he has a lot of knowledge in, in uh, filing patents. During his transition, he f uh, founded an online networking and support group called uh, for STEM PhDs called PhD Career Support Group which is now a 503C nonprofit organization with 9,000 plus members spanning across the world. We need to collaborate more. Uh, <laughs> I've seen the growth. Well, it's been fantastic. I mean, it's great. Um, so you can check that out again. It's um, PhD Career Support Group. Uh, he also co-founded a popular blog series called PhDs, uh, four PhDs called Club Sairi, right? Sairi. 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 So that's uh, S-C-I-W-R-I dot club if you want to go visit it. Um, in his spare time, he manages a New York-based South Asian music band called Iman. Perfect. The pronunciation. Yeah, first of all, I need to find a YouTube video of this to show. Um, <laughs> and spends his time either jamming or performing in and around New York. I have half got to see this. So, Ananda, thank you for coming again. Please, for all of you Thanks, on, please thank Ananda yeah. for, for being with us. Uh, so the first question I always like to ask is, what is, you know, what did you do for your transition? How did it look like? And, and maybe we can start even before that. Why did you want to transition outside of the traditional professor career track, you know, especially after doing a, a postdoc? Yeah, right. I mean, you know, Isa, we had you had interviewed me just after the transition, and probably I will just take that same, you know, take it from there. That you know, back in 2015, I was like really getting getting frustrated about you know the way the career was going. Uh, already six years of PhDs, uh, it was nearly five and a half years of postdoc, and I was like really, uh, uh, you know, getting that stress. Uh, uh, and 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 luckily, you know, uh, I bumped into one of your blogs, uh, you know, one mm -hmm. evening, and I I, I distinctly remember uh, that evening, and I was like, huh, uh, you know, the, the, this is a blog which looks like you know my life <laughs> being taught, you know, yes. being discussed here, 
and i realize that uh, you know there are other people who are, who are also going through that uh, same stress that same frustration which uh, you know you that blog was talking about and i remember i you know i just sent uh, my email id to you know to follow the the the, the association mm-hmm. at that time and so those blogs started you know and a lot of things happened during that time i mean i was reading those blogs uh, i remember interacting uh, with you on twitter because you were very active on twitter um, at the same time i was also networking i slowly started networking in new york met couple of friends uh, who were you know suggesting that who, and i remember uh, you know you know that oh what do you want to do and i was like i have no idea of what, what i want to do and that was like you know much before i joined chiki and so uh, and so uh, you know during those time i was when i was talking to a lot of people reading your blogs a uh, uh, couple of things happened and then i got to know about this uh, career which is like you know ip patent agent and tech transfer actually i first came to know about patent agent uh, the uspto Mm-hmm. uh based exam and then people said that oh you know phd's can easily transition to this kind of roles uh because the law firms actually hire phd's but you have to take this exam and uh, so that's that's where i started and i was like and by that time i remember february 2015 uh when all those things happened i was like more or less in within very short period of time i decided no nothing doing i i don't want to stay in academia anymore and i really want to move right now the other yes. thing which was actually very frightening at that time was you know i was seeing a lot of these uh, postdocs who are like uh, you know who have who were well past 10 years of postdoc and they were very contented with their life and i told myself that man i don't want to be in that uh, that that position just to make sure this webinar is between only the associate right okay and i i was yes. really you know i was feeling for them uh, not that you know it was not out of apathy but i was feeling for them and i was thinking that man i will be really very depressed if i am staying in the same lab another 10 years uh, or another 5 years um, and so i so i was like i this is the time i need to move at the same time you know i was try, i i'm i'm an international phd student so i started working on my green card so i had to renegotiate with my pi uh, uh, you know and that's that's a different sort of uh, discussion you know we can discuss later because i think there are some visa questions later on uh, so i had to renegotiate and tell that oh you know whether cornell will sponsor me now cornell has this weird sponsorship where you know they will just write a letter but they won't sponsor for the green card as such so i had to pay for my own lawyer uh, but you know it was a big help at that time and the negotiation worked at that time and that mm. time i didn't know what negotiation was you know yes. you know i was just saying that oh look if i if the project needs to be you know continued i need to stay in this country and i need that uh, that that uh, that visa so and- let me let me just jump in real quick so the the reason why was you, you wanted i mean you still wanted to stay close to science right and we've right. heard this over again but you wanted to pursue another path where you saw yes. more more possibilities more opportunities more connections you, you know something different than what you were seeing in academia which yeah, seemed- exactly I'm a bit limited, exactly. almost exactly. Exactly, and I was, you know, when I was networking, I was seeing a lot of people who were very bright outside academia. They were more open, and uh, there was like very stark difference. And you know, some of those things you have been telling us over and over again. So I don't want to, you know, restate those things. But but uh, but it was very stark, and I said that oh, but they are also, you know, they 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 are also pretty smart, and they have a good life. and uh, you know uh, i need to move uh, or even at least check out what kind of work they do so hmm. yeah and i think <clears throat> curiosity is always the first step right so realizing oh there is something else outside of academia this depressing track 
having curiosity, seeing the possibilities. And then you mentioned a little bit about the actual track that happened. So maybe you can talk early, like during the early days when you were first starting your job search, like what's the first thing that you did that made a difference, right? Um, we talk a lot about what not to do, like don't upload resumes and whatever, but what's what really made the difference to finding what was a good fit for you and then to getting into that role, if you can remember any kind of aha moments. Yes. Uh, so, you know, when I initially started the job search, I was uh, like like many other uh, friends of mine, I was applying to, you know, the, because I could only relate to industry scientific jobs. I was actually applying and my my background was neuroscience. So I, was, I kept on applying Sanofi Biogen for research scientist positions and I yes. did here. And I was like, uh, and, and my resume, even though it was a neuroscience, was not very strong. So I was always thinking that, oh, whether this is the right thing where, you know, I should apply or not. Do I really like to, you know, work in neuroscience field? Uh, and after doing, and, and at that same time, somebody introduced me to patent agents. So at one point of time, the mistake which I was doing was that I was also thinking about patent and technology transfer job as well as research scientist job and then somebody said that you know each and every job is a full-time thing and you have to decide which one you want to do mm. uh, and very and that was kind of that you know moment i said that you know, i have to decide one thing focus on you one have to prioritize thing. prioritize no and i think let me just jump in for for those of you listening because I, I want to recap the takeaways i love you know what ananda said here and this is what most of us think especially if you're doing anything about at a bench you think i have to stay at the bench you just look at that one pass and so you started seeing more opportunities, and then you started pursuing multiple things, but then eventually you narrowed it down to your highest priority, what was the best fit, right? Which turned out to be things in tech transfer, intellectual property, patents, et cetera. Well, exactly. Can I ask you while you're on it, what pulled you in that direction? What made you think like that was what you wanted to do? Yeah, so that's a great question. So, you know, I had a little bit of luck, and that luck was that when somebody said that, oh, if you are interested in patent, uh, patent uh, you know, IP uh, career, uh, there is something called a tech transfer internship which universities offer. Do you know about it? I said, no. Uh, hmm. Then somebody said, do you know that there are tech transfer offices in university? I said, no. <laughs> and so, you know, that was my level of awareness, right? Yes. Uh, when these offices are actually doing all the MTAs, uh, which we are dealing, you know, most of the PhDs and postdocs are dealing, day, you know, monthly basis. And uh, and so I got that break, actually, pretty luckily. Uh, a faculty member in my department actually introduced me to the tech transfer office office director and that's how that worked and so I, I got very lucky but here I wanted to you know I always tell to others uh, that you know apart from luck the other thing which worked was I was very active in departmental seminars so I made sure that you know I was very you know and that was my intra-departmental networking time basically you know if there are speakers if there are, are you contributing to the discussion so the faculties even though it was not your own pi but the other faculties you know mm. knew that i was an active person so when and 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 one of them got interested in my career so they asked me you know what are you doing or you know how many years are you standing so i said that look i'm i'm interested in tech transfer but nobody is replying from the cornell tech transfer office and it's very difficult because you know they are they are swamped by this, uh, you know, I want to do internship emails. So they yes. just don't know how to pick. So then, you know, this faculty just called up and said that, hey, there is a, you know, a guy I know who might be a good fit. And, but, you know, that was, that was a nice push. And uh, it was not that just that phone call helped. There was an interview, pro, you know, later on. 
Mm. And that's how I got that opportunity. So coming back to your question, you know, while I was doing the internship, I was actually, you know, meeting, you know, I was interacting with the director, with other tech transfer officers. And that then I realized that, you know, they are more or less like me. They have the similar kind of, you know, thinking, uh, they, 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 you know, the, the sense of humor and that, that that lifestyle and the job description I really started liking. And they, and so that made me like, you know, this looks like to be something which I would like to do. Yeah. Okay. And that makes sense in terms of what pulled you, I guess. Can you talk a little bit about what the process is? Because sometimes we think of tech transfer and we think, well, isn't this an academic job? Um, it's different, but how about the hiring process? What did that look like all the way down to your resume, the interviewing, was there phone screens, was there a site visit? Okay. Yeah. So the academic tech transfer in the United States, or I think, you know, if I say United States or probably in Europe, excuse me, or Canada, um, I think one of the most important thing in tech transfer, uh, two most important thing in tech transfer is one is networking for sure. You've got mm-hmm. to network with the tech transfer office, not only of your university, but you know, in places like New York or Boston, where you have, you know, several universities, you need to go out and start reaching out, do informational interviews, try and, you know, talk to them. Uh, that is a very, very important uh, aspect of tech transfer. The other thing is, you know, the, uh, the tech transfer offices uh, have a parent body, which is called as Autumn, uh, A-U-T-M. Um, and that's a great networking platform. So there are, uh, there are opportunities for volunteering. Uh, the Autumn has a uh, year Yearly, uh, uh, yearly conferences, which I strongly suggest that people should go. You know, but it's pretty expensive, and I, I feel. What are those conferences called? They're just uh, unique, autumn, depending autumn, on the autumn annual conference, AUTM annual conferences. AUTM. Oh. Yes, and they have also regional conferences which are less expensive. Uh, the annual conference can get expensive, especially from the perspective of uh, you know PhD uh, from postdoc uh, point of view. But if you are really, really one thing, I realized that you know the transition is expensive uh, process. So you know it's better to if you are really serious. I mean, a little bit of investment is not bad. Uh, and so, so I strongly because I have seen, I have been to such conferences and I have seen that grad students and postdocs they do get to do a lot of networking by coming to those events and you know initiating a relationship with the tech transfer professionals uh, uh, so uh, right so i forgot your question. so the so the so the, tra- the process was networking was huge you did that okay so is that how you made a connection at the trans- tech transfer was through a referral with the network did you do an informational interview what did yes, it look like i did i did information so when i when i started doing the internship my mentor uh, you know at cornell tech transfer said that one thing you need to do is go out and talk you know you can't be shy you just have to talk so i started you know talking to new york based tech transfer offices uh, reached out to directors and you know, many people replied, I would go and, you know, introduce myself. And the other thing which I was doing was, you know, in New York, uh, there were a lot of events which were happening. So I would go and show up in each and every event, uh, you know, and, and, and so that's how it happened. Uh, and then, and then the application, when, 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 you know, the, when the, the job application started coming in, uh, those referrals actually helped. Sometimes, you know, the, the mentors would say that, Hey, uh, you know, there is a, I have a mentee and he might be a good fit, you know, why don't you check it out? Not that those interviews worked, but you know, you always, you are getting the, uh, foot in the door. And, and so then you went on from the informational interview and what did the actual interviewing process look like? Was there a phone screen? Was there a long site visit? Can you walk us through that? Yes, sure. Uh, there, uh, so 
well, you know, the first step is, of course, uh, you have to submit your uh, resume and the cover, le- cover letter. Uh, so I, I had, I worked on my resume based on, you know, advices from cheeky scientists, from other friends. You know, the other thing which I did was I had few people whom I would, you know, go back and forth with the resume to make sure that whether, you know, the resume is getting better and better. And, and, and you know, it's a, it's a, it's an evolutionary process. So it, it evolved over time. The first resume I don't think was good enough. And so, uh, um, and so, uh, so once the resume gets accepted, there was a phone screen mostly from the HR, uh, which was typical HR, you know, why you are interested. Uh, sometimes uh, those those interviews are not that fun. Like it's, it was like uh, typical HR interviews. Uh, once you clear that step, and in most cases you are clearing that HR step, uh, then uh, you know in some universities they do, they do a phone interview with uh, with the hiring manager. Sometimes they did Skype. Uh, with the hiring manager and then they would call for a full day-long interview on site Uh, so that was a process okay so the full the full site interview so it's very similar to the what we hear usually for industry jobs right Um, and and then so you you got hired you know one thing we want to talk about more and more is what the onboarding process looks like so great you got hired you celebrate right and then it's on to getting trained in this and you know uh, do you feel like you were prepared before? Do you feel like you did a lot of training on the job? So internship helps, you know, so I was a little bit prepared, but you cannot be fully prepared in any internship or, you know, before the job. So most of the things you, you you know, some of the subtleties of the job, you will learn on the job. And I don't think that, you know, PhDs uh, will have a lot of difficulty in learning. on the job as long as you know as you have been saying uh, that you know if you use your intellect if you are using you know creativity if you are forthcoming then you get to learn some of those you know intricacies and that's that that takes time it's not that you know within six months you will learn everything about tech transfer or any other field because there is a lot of you know behind the back uh, rules and uh, and that will take time you can learn uh, but but yeah so a lot of things you learn on the job and internship helps to give you a perspective of okay you know i have heard about this i have seen that process happening uh, so i'm familiarized uh, but you know the other intricacies you have to learn in the job and then so okay so you have the job and then what did some of that onboarding look like so the internship obviously helped it's something that you know it's a little bit different where you can do it you know with the proximity to academia so i think it's a kind of a rare internship that might be beneficial as long as you can do it while you're in academia still, uh, what, what did you need to learn? What are some of the key, I guess, insights you got, the key training you got on the job during the onboarding process, like during the first three to six months, especially? Uh, so tech transfer is mostly, you know, uh, it has three components. Uh, the one, co- the first component is the relationship building, which is you are doing internally with the university faculties, and the other is external uh, partnerships, uh, which are the companies, which are the business development groups, the VCs, and so it's a lot about building this, uh, building and nurturing this relationship. That is one thing. The other thing is to try and understand that what exactly contracts are, and you know, you are either it's a license agreement, contracts and agreements either it's an mta or it's an interinstitutional agreements uh, so different kinds of the understanding knowledge of you know what agreements are what you know how they're why they are important and what are the critical things in agreement which should be taken care of when you are representing the university uh, the, uh, 
Yes, and these are some of the things I think in tech transfer, uh, the marketing, uh, you know, and marketing again is based on your relationship with the external partners. Uh, and, you know, that's like writing an abstract, uh, how to become, you know, how you're, you can be more imaginative in creating that abstract, which is, which I think most PhDs know, you know, how you design your um, PowerPoint slides. It's like a lot of those things. Um, so that's... Well, let me, yeah, yeah. let's, well, let's, 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 um, Let's talk about, let's go from like what an average day looks like or a week in terms of your daily activities, even down to like emails, meetings, the different groups and departments you interact with. And then yes. I want to zero in on the different interactions, but maybe just take us through like the day-to-day the -day life of us. Uh, right. uh, a lot of emails, you know, most of the, <laughs> a lot, lot of emails. Uh, <laughs> The emails are either within the office or they're coming from the faculties, uh, you know, uh, or they're coming from the patent offices like, okay, these are some of the patents which are getting published. Um, and so answering those emails are, you know, the part of the, uh, you know, your part of your day-to-day -day work. Uh, work. Uh, so, and there are, there are deadlines. So you have to be very careful about the deadlines that you don't miss any deadlines. And you are kind of, you know, going through, as you are going through the emails, you have to prioritize. So my day goes like prioritizing which emails I should reply right now and which emails I should work and get back to. Uh, a part of my day goes in reading, you know, literatures or patents and writing about marketing briefs. Uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the time I design, you know, I am responsible for internal outreach within NYU. So I kind of think about events which I can do at NYU. So, you know, connecting, you know, trying to contact uh, external partners or faculties in other universities and trying to uh, create events, um, you know, monthly basis so that the NYU industrial uh, liaison office is at the forefront within the NYU community. Um, and, and of course, the internal meetings. So this is... Uh, this is this is basically my job you know at my at my role yes. as i grow the jobs and the responsibilities increases and there there are there are different that we can talk later on yeah yeah so yeah i want to talk about career trajectory so you know what you say makes sense i, I really want to kind of zero in on the cross-functional relationships like the departments and the people you interact with right so you mentioned marketing you mentioned yeah. The people, you know, the innovators, right? So, I mean, who yes. maybe you can take us through those different sectors of people: the business side, the innovation side, the regulation side, the marketing side, and right. whatever else. Well, in tech transfer, mostly, you know, the first thing is like when the innovators of the faculties, uh, you know, discover something. Uh, let's say they discover a technology in CRISPR, let's say, and they they think that oh, this looks like a cool technology. The first thing they do is they will disclose it to the university because they are bound to by their agreement. And uh, so that disclosure comes to the tech transfer office and they say that, oh, it looks like this is a new technology in gene disruption. Uh, let's take a look at it. And so that's the first step in tech transfer office. And then they decide that whether, you know, we will go ahead. Is there a marketing, is there a commercial uh, value to this kind of, uh, this for, for this kind of technology? So they do a an marketing analysis of, you know, which, what industry, what are the sectors, you know, what is the growth projections um, uh, in that, in that sector? and all that and then the and then there is the other thing which they decide is that whether this is a novel technology or somebody already has patented or published in this particular field which we call yes. as prior art search and that's a very common term in tech transfer and ip world now, so once you do that and once everything looks very good looks in the market looks very good and there are no prior arts looks like very novel then we decide that hey I think we should go ahead and patent it. And at that point of time, you are then interacting with the patent law offices 
either internal or external. Most of the tech transfer offices have external law uh, law offices they're associated with. So, you know, they draft the patent. And mm. so that's that's the other level of conversation which is happening with the patent office or the attorneys or the patent agent who are involved drafting the patent. So at that time, the patent office is talking to the tech transfer office as well as the innovators. When that process is done, then comes the marketing. Uh, where you once you have filed the provisional, which is the first patent, uh, you know uh, there is a uh, that it, what you do is then you start reaching out to external uh, partners and say that hey, you know I looks like I have a great technology which can edit genes, you know seamlessly, uh, looks very cool. Do you want to you know take a look at it? Yeah. And so then if the external partners uh, like editor says that hey, it looks like this great, uh, let me you know to tell me something about the technology. And then what we do is we liaison between the innovators and the external partners and they get into a discussion where they try to understand what the technology is try to understand the science behind it and if they're satisfied then the next step is then they will negotiate and that's the most critical part of the transfer office which you know i am not yet exposed to that that particular process it's a little bit of more advanced where you are negotiating you know a lot of different things uh, and that is depending on royalty the fee structure you know how the technology should be used uh, uh, according to university rules or other bidol act rules and there mm. are different regulations and so that's and that's that's a major chunk of the you know the more serious aspect of tech transfer is negotiation and if the negotiation if the deal goes through uh, then the that technology gets licensed to these companies and can you talk a little bit more about your role in the negotiation process so right now, you know, I'm uh, I'm too early at the tech transfer uh, mm-hmm. field, so I haven't entered into hardcore negotiations. So, so the idea is I'm working on a couple of projects. When those projects get matured, then I will be involved with those uh, kind of negotiations. Yeah, and so we can have this discussion in another couple of years. I will probably be. Yeah, able- no, but I mean, so you, but you've been you've seen the negotiations takes place, and I'm sure you've learned a lot about the negotiation process. Yes, during internships and during you know a little bit in the at NYU, but uh, the m- most of the negotiation process are. Uh, you know there are there are certain aspects which universities uh, hold very dearly. Uh, you know, based on their universities' uh, policies. Uh, so the part of negotiation deals with those that how the technology should be used. That technology should, you know, universities can use that technology at their will, you know, for academic purposes. Uh, then, then the other thing is royalty structure, like what, you know, how you are deciding on how much, what's the value of the technology, and that's I think very critical. So the who are very good with, uh, you know, uh, these kind of uh, assessing the value of technology, they, that you know, they are pretty good with negotiation skills and all that. Apart from other negotiation skills, of course. Well, yeah, and it's, I'm sure with your experience, now you've picked up some negotiation insights, or maybe you can just talk to us about what you know about the process. What exactly you mentioned a little bit? What exactly is being negotiated? Who are the people trying to come together on a deal? How does it work? Maybe you can dig in a little bit there. Uh, so at the top of my, you know, I, I because you know, it, it there, there's. From my experience, there is a contract agreement, you know, and so all the negotiations happens based on those, those agreements. And the agreements is the university has certain certain things which they need. The company have certain things which they need, and 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 that's that's where the negotiations happen. And, and yes. most important aspect of negotiation, believe me, is the money. Right, they're talking about that's sure, the numbers, yeah. Uh, the numbers, yeah, and then how 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 they are negotiating. But you know, frankly speaking, I have not 
been involved into very high negotiation uh, meetings uh, so far. Uh, yeah. No, that's good. So, I mean, it's a critical skill, right? And we've heard this from other job and career paths, yeah. like negotiate, deal-making, however you want to describe it, collaborating even, I guess some people say, but negotiation yeah. process is crucial. Yes. And, and in tech transfer, if you have to be successful, you have to be very good with, you know, you have to get these deals done. That's what they say. So every tech transfer officers or, you know, the managers, they will have certain number of deals they need to do every year. Yes. Uh, so much you whether it's a VC firm or whatever, uh, most yes. companies, a certain number of deals <laughs> have to happen every year. Exactly. Exactly. Keep running. Um, right. And, and so, okay. So why don't you take us up the, the ladder of people that you work with? Let's, we've talked a little bit about laterally, like the different groups, marketing and regulation, the university, the people that have the, the, the innovations. Um, what about vertically? So where do you go from here? Right. So, right. Uh, what's so the you know, look like? one of the things I want to tell is uh, that, when I was trying to get into break into tech transfer, you know, the tech transfer positions are very limited. It's not like there are a lot of positions happening and it's a cyclical and especially in, uh, and especially in universities, you know, highly competitive universities, people get very, very comfortable and they, uh, and people tend to stay in tech transfer for a long, long time. So, mm-hmm. so I have myself, you know, it's a, I've heard in New York, what happens is it's a cyclical, the hiring process is cyclical. So there are, there are, there are years when, you know, a lot of universities are hiring, but then there are years there you know, there is no hiring at all. Mm. So one of the challenges with people who are trying to enter tech transfer is to deal with this, that it's an extremely less number of positions and it's extremely competitive. And so at that point of time, any kind of entry-level job was something, uh, you know, to get the foot in uh, was that was what I was looking for. And then, so there was this position called marketing associate in NYU, which I thought was perfect. And uh, that's how I entered, you know, that's how I got the job. This takes us to the end of this Cheeky Scientist radio podcast episode that you have been listening to. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a review and let us know what you would like to hear more of. If you're interested in transitioning into industry, go to phdsgethired.com and enter your name and email address, and we will give you information about our PhD job search blueprint, specifically for PhDs who want to transition into industry, as well as our PhD-only 4,000-plus member private job referral network. Again, go to phdsgethired.com and enter your name and email address now. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional.